We all know that video is a powerful way to communicate the value of what we do as designers and creatives. But if you're like most business owners, the very idea of creating these videos can seem overwhelming. Well, my girl, Ariane Belazaire, is masterful at creating engaging and effective videos for her business, and she's created a course where she teaches you step-by-step -step how to do it too. In her course, Video Like a Pro, you'll learn how to create five different styles of video, and for each style, you'll learn how to build it, how to shoot it, how to edit it, and how to promote it. I can tell you from my own personal experience that her course is so good. And she's offering a special promo code for my listeners. So go to www.videolikeaprocourse.com and enter the promo code Gale to get $50 off. And it's spelled capital G, capital A, capital I, capital L. Welcome to the Design Perspectives Podcast, and I am your host, Gail M. Davis. Being an interior designer is more than creating beautiful spaces. It's about articulating a vision and more importantly, being a valuable resource to clients. Join me as I gather insights from fellow architects, people of the trade, interior designers, and most importantly, the clients who value us. Well, I am excited for today's guests. I'm excited for all my guests because they're all really amazing and stellar, but this woman is just mm, superfluous. Her name is Kelly Finley. She is the founder and principal designer of Joy Street Design. Um, she is in the Bay Area. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She founded her design firm in 2011 with a simple idea in mind that everyone deserves to live in a home they love, which can only be achieved when the space is personal, functional, and comfortable. She had me right there. You're going to learn a lot about Kelly in this conversation. She's also a fellow Bad Guild member. That's how we actually connected. Um, if you don't know about Bad Guild, it's Black Artist Design Guild form by the incomparable Melanie Barnett. And if you don't know who Melanie B is, you need to check her out because she's absolutely just a force of nature um, and just such an inclusive individual. But anyway, let me jump back to Kelly here. We're going to find out about her firm and how she runs it and just talk about a lot of little of everything. It's, you know, you guys are used to me. I talk about everything besides design, because we live in a world that's designed full of life. So without further ado, here is Miss Kelly Finley. Hey, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. This is going to be fun. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> we already had our little conversation, but anyway. <laughs> um, so I found out about you through uh, let me see, Bad Guild. I just drew a blank there. Um, we're fellow members of Bad Guild. And I love your work. I love your aesthetic. I love your frankness. I swear you're an East Coast girl in my head um, because you're just like to the point. <laughs> How did you get started? And is it, this, is, this is not your first career, is it? 
No. So I actually, uh, my first job, kind of quote unquote career, was in New York as a um, nonprofit fundraiser. Um, and then I went to law school uh, out on the West Coast, which brought me out. Uh, and I've been out here since then. But uh, we, I went to Stanford Law School. I practiced law at a large law firm for two, you know, not too long, but too long. <laughs> and, you know, one, at one point I was um, recognizing that I didn't want to be an attorney anymore. So I started taking classes at UC Berkeley um, in the evening just to do something. And the more classes I took related to interior design and architecture, the more classes I wanted to take. And so it turned into me like pulling all nighters and staying up to do work when I had actual like legal work to do. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just really fun for me. And it was one of the, it was like the first time in maybe 10 years that I had felt that way about something I was studying. Um, and then my husband got a job down in LA, which um, at that point I decided to obviously leave my law firm in San Francisco and go out on my own um, and try the interior design thing. And that was nine years ago. So um, in 2011, I hung up my shingle, moved to LA. Um, I did do an internship uh, with a couple people while I was down there. Um, but since then, uh, I've been kind of out on my own. Uh, wow. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing process. We eventually moved back up to the Bay Area. I'm in Oakland now. Mm -hmm. And it's great because we had a much bigger network here and I was able to really grow and build my um, my firm in the last five years since we've been here. Nice. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank um, you. And especially California. That's a whole different area i mean like it's just very different when you go out there the aesthetic like i check it out and i'm always like what would i do how would i design for these people um yeah i'm originally from chicago and so i will admit that when i first moved out here i was kind of taken aback by i mean in chicago i don't know how many people know this but the uh, great chicago fire so literally every house is brick <laughs> um and you just don't see anything else and so you come out especially to the bay area you have the painted ladies and some houses are yellow, some houses are blue, pink. I mean, it's just so much infusion of color. And I've just, I've grown to love it. I'm obsessed with California. I love the Bay Area. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm a Californian at heart and hope that never changes. Oh, <laughs> nice. I'll come visit when I come out there. I have family out there. Um, come on now. <laughs> you know, please, especially now. Um, so, okay, so you start the business. It really jumps off once you move to the Bay Area. How does your clientele find you? Like you said about networking, like how, how do they find you and how do you keep your pipeline full? Right. So I, the initial people, I was very lucky. You know, one of the things that I think we'll talk about this later, you know, running a business and finding clients is hard. Mm, um, and preach. you really need to tap into your existing network when you're first starting out. It's, and I did not come from a network, like no one in Chicago can afford to hire me, that I knew, I should say. Mm -hmm. But having been at the law firm for a while and being around, you know, Fortune 500 company executives and things like that, my, that network was a lot stronger. So my first few clients were former um, colleagues at the law firm and they were you know one what happened to me moving to la and we redid their entire like i got to do my first renovation uh, through them and then uh when i moved back up here there have been a few people that way so those are the first people that re like really trusted me and assumed 
that because I had the kind of background to do project management for multi-million dollar litigation, that I could figure, you know, out how to make this work. Right. Um, and it was it was their trust in me that really helped me get the experience that I needed. Um, once I moved back to the Bay, I had to kind of start over again. I did start doing a little bit of um, advertising and through, I mean, it was through House. It mm-hmm. was a very short-lived uh, process, but I did <laughs> advertising through that, which actually was very beneficial back in 2015. Um, and after that, I just really, I actually hired, I had somebody who works on my SEO so that I can be found in searches. I started focusing more on, you know, social media. So a lot of what I do now, a lot of ways people find me now is really organic through, you know, either um, an article that I happen to be in. I got some recent publicity through San Francisco Chronicle or social media um, or Google. That's where most of my clients besides the referrals. So we have a, right now we have a crazy pipeline of about 20 projects, which is really high for us. Um, but we try to keep, you know, 10 to 15 projects um, to keep my staff busy. And we currently are running on a wait list. So whatever we're doing right now is really working. Um, right. And we're trying to just keep it up and be you know, very mindful of constantly posting, constantly engaging with people in that way. No, that's good. Your clients that are referrals and all. First of all, let's just go back to you being an attorney. I think you're like my third attorney friend who left law. <laughs> and I was like, this is not for me. I, I need to be creative. And I have to tell you, my friends that have left law and finance are some of the most busiest and amazing designers. And they, their pipeline is always full. And I think it's also, too, because of, you know, the networking, which I don't think people really get. Um, people watch TV and that show we won't name. And they think <laughs> and they think that it's just one, two, three. And that because you you did your own house, you, you're a designer now. And that's not what it is, that it's it's more than that. So I just ugh, I'm losing my train of thought. I just applaud you for what you did and how you are running your business, because I do see you and, you know, on the Instagram, on the gram doing things. And I just really admire that you you just keep it moving and you can see like the projects coming and going which one of the projects or do your projects also come back as um like now they're like let's move on to this or we bought another place and we want you to work on it so i've had one client that you know bought another house um, or uh and needed me to design it fairness i kind of operate in the probably a different um you know, well, let's go back. I actually will say in the Bay, buying a house is an achievement in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, and for real. Having the money to renovate and decorate it with a professional is also a huge investment. You know, I don't pretend that we are economical. We are a luxury provider of services and therefore it is not a cheap endeavor. That being said, um, we tend to, we love working with young families um, mm-hmm. and people who are you know they they want something nice but they also have a lot happening in their lives and they need somebody to really control it so going back to your point is we do good design but our our selling point one of our biggest selling points is we also are great project managers so we want you to not have to worry about anything and we have our best clients are the people who appreciate that and don't want to be at the house every day talking to the contractors they don't want to be you know, involved 
all the time. And so that's where we really excel. So the people, the repeat clients are the people who really appreciate that. Um, because we tend to do much larger, like whole homes, mm-hmm. we, it's not that many times where we have somebody come in and say, you know, oh, let's just do the kitchen. And then they call us back for the bathroom. We do, we try to tell people it makes sense to just do them both at the same time. But we have a few of those people who come back, um, but not that many. Yeah, I, I I don't think people understand buying a house in California is not a easy thing to do. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, which is why I'm still on the East Coast. Uh, what is the what is the most? What did you think design was, and what do you know it to be now that you're in it? Oh, um, well, when I was younger, I didn't know that pe- design was a thing. Um, just given my socioeconomic status and my my family valued math and science, you know, just wasn't a thing. Um, and uh, once I started going to school for it, I realized, or I, I recognized that it was a creative outlet. It was lovely. You got to design these pretty spaces and hope that one day they would come to fruition and not worry about all the details. Um, and I learned as a business owner, one, and as a project manager, that it is that is definitely creative, but it is such a small portion of that of the job. Um, and you know, I, I've heard other people say it's like twenty percent creative and design, and the eighty percent business. I would probably think it's I think it's more like ten. I say the same thing. Own the business. I say ten. Own the business. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of work I do that has nothing to do with the pretty parts of a project are. It's just. It, is so much. So now I understand that, you know, interior design is a way for you to solve people's problems, but do it in a pretty way, right? To do it in a functional and pretty way. But to solve that problem has nothing to do with the actual fabric that you put on that window treatment. And so you, if you approach, the way we approach our project is to solve the problem and then we layer on all the different, you know, things that will make that solution pretty. So if you, pro- I mean, I, I think that's how I see it now as, a, as, as I've been doing this for almost 10 years, that we are problem solvers that just happen to be able to put pretty things on top of our solutions. Okay. No, that's real. I, th- I think a lot of people think it's all pretty fun and games. And I'm with you. I say it's... Um, 10% creativity and 90% business. And just like today, before the call with you and after, I have a presentation next week and I'm going through everything to make sure that I have all the numbers, all the fabrics, like everything, the presentation tight because I would just have anxiety if I did it the night before. <laughs> right. So I exactly. just want, yeah, people, I think, you know, they watch TV and they think, oh, it's all fun and games. But you, here's the other thing that people don't realize, and, and you could talk about this. It's more than just prettiness. When you open up those walls, you really do need to know how to problem solve because yes. stuff just pops up, unexpected stuff. And that can put, you know, uh, that can put a glitch in your budget. How do you discuss budget with people when they tell you their number and then you give them the reality check? How do you go about that? Well, as part of our project management process, we, you know, we ask people what their budget is and we typically don't comment on what they tell us um, initially because our process in our first meeting, we tell them what their budget should be um, based on what they've asked for. Um, And then the conversation is about 
well, based on what you've asked for, the quality of things that you like, this concept of, of moving walls, this is what your budget should be. This is what you're saying your budget is. Where's the give here? Are we going to phase this? Right. <laughs> Are we going to raise the budget? But nothing can change simply because you have a number. And I try to explain it to people like you can have a number, but your knowledge of what that number means is not um, an educated guess, right? And so therefore we're providing them with the education in that first you know, concept meeting so that they know exactly what they're getting into. Like you can't in, in, in the Bay Area, let's say, for example, you're not getting quartz counters for $5,000 installed, right? And so if you think you saw that on, you know, some other show <laughs> and you that's the number you put in your head, it's not going to be realistic here. And, you know, other places it is realistic. So right, it's right. just a matter of having a conversation where we use our expertise to say, this is how much this kitchen costs to my last client. <laughs> right. And you all have very similar tastes. So you are need to either need to add something to it or we need to come up with a different plan. Um, or we need to come back. Maybe I actually had somebody say, I'll call you back <laughs> in a couple months after I've, you know, saved a little bit more money. Right. It's just a real conversation so that there are no surprises. Cause that's the other thing is we believe that we're the arbiters of our clients' money. And once they approve that uh, that budget we present to them, we don't go over that budget unless something you know major happens and it's a conversation. But we respect that budget and we make concessions and figure it out so that clients know that when they come to us, we're going to do what we say we're going to do, especially with regards to that money. No, that's that's good. People don't they don't get that. Um, what is your superpower in design? We talked about it. I want you to tell people. <laughs> My superpower is that it's space planning. I can walk into almost any room and really almost immediately see how it should be laid out, what should change, what, you know, what should move around. Um, I love to still put it down on paper or in CAD and figure it out. But I know as soon as you call me into that room, I'm going to say, oh, this should be moved. And so we actually offer, we have consultations like most people do. Um, ours are paid consultations but part of that process i tell them this is a working meeting because i'm going to know what yep. i'm going to do to this room as soon as i walk into it so they get the benefit of that regardless of they hire me for the larger project um, and i know some people can't do that and they prefer to like sleep on and then think about it and so i really love the fact that that's one of the few things um that i think is you know really strong. I should say a few things. I don't believe that at all. One of the things <laughs> that is one of my strengths. <laughs> one of the things that's one of my strengths and really is gives like almost immediate value to my clients as I, you know, when we walk into a space. No, that's super important because and and let me just say paid consultations is the way to go. Because yeah. otherwise it's a stupid dance that you're doing when people call you out and they're asking you you go into the house, they're asking you questions. You don't really want to answer because you don't want to give away your ideas. So for me to be comfortable with that, and also, like you said, it's a working consultation. I'm not just coming out going this color, that color. Okay. Yeah, that looks great. Whatever. And walk away. I'm really there to do, to, you know, be solution driven. So thank you for yeah, saying that. Yeah. And I that. think, yeah. And I really think it's a part of showing your value and yes. I'm not coming to your house for free. Now, if you want to come to my office 
and meet me to decide if we're a good fit, I am happy to do that, you know, complimentary. And we do that, or maybe we'll jump on an extra call after you talk to my studio manager. But I think that the notion that I would drive all the way to your house, stay there for, you know, an hour with no compensation is, to me, um, absurd. And, you know, truthfully, um, I also have no filter um, which is bad in a lot of ways, but it's great in that I can't hold stuff back. If I want to tell you that I don't like something, it would be really weird to go to a meeting and not be able to do that. Right. So I think that that's part of my added value. And I would rather have like a, if we just want to do a meet and greet, let's do a meet and greet in my office and we can do that. But if you want some thoughts on your existing space or what have you, then you, you need to, you know, be, I need to be compensated for that. Tell me about, a time that you worked with someone and you just had to fire them. <laughs> what, <laughs> how, how did you handle that? Like what was, what, if you can say what happened or yeah. what made it uncomfortable? Cause here's the other thing too. Sometimes we, we want business or we're like, Oh, if I get that house and that, you know, that person comes in, you're like, Oh my God, the house is amazing. If I get this and I get in my portfolio and then you find out, wow, this, this is, this is going to be intense. Yeah. Like how well, do you, do you pay attention all to your clients are perfect, so I don't know what you mean. I would never <laughs> fire clients. They're all perfect. Um, but <laughs> there was a situation where I've only fired one client, truthfully. Um, and it was more so because I didn't think I was doing the service that she was paying me for. Um, we have a very um, clear process because we charge flat fee, so we don't you know, work hourly. And there, so there are a lot of things that you you know you have a certain number of revisions we have a certain number of meetings it's very structured um and i found with one client that we would have a meeting she would agree and we would think we're moving on to like go purchase the cabinets or you know finalize the backsplash because she agreed to it so i would go get the numbers i would talk to my vendors and then two three days later she would send me another message because she went to a cabinet showroom and pick out different cabinets and that happened a handful of times and then we would eventually have to have another meeting and it was just constantly you know going on and on so it was not ideal for me because i work on the flat fee and i can't keep doing that right right but more importantly i also didn't think i was serving her interests right she clearly wanted to be more involved it made no sense for her to be paying me the amount of money she was paying me if that's what she wanted to do mm -hmm. and i just and that's how i ended it i said i want to provide the best value to you and at this point it seems like what you're paying me isn't worth it like you're wasting money because you're not using me adequately and therefore i don't want you to waste money and you like you should go on the you know on your we should we should go separate ways right um that's respectful and, yeah, and it was because it was like, you know, it's one of those, it was like, it's me. Right, it's yes. <laughs> it's not you, it's um, me, it's me. And it didn't go, I mean, I had hoped she would respond back, like, you're right. But she did not. <laughs> um, but I felt very good about it because I really did approach it that way. Like, while, yes, I was frustrated of the process, the way the process was working, I also did feel like I was doing a disservice to her because she wasn't getting the full kind of design expertise that my firm would, could do because she was piecemealing everything and messing it all up. So yeah. that was kind of our way of ending the relationship. And, you know, she got to keep her final payments and those kind of things. So I thought it was a great breaking point. 
she still got all the details and the plans that she needed to move forward with her contractor, mm-hmm. but she got to go and pick things herself um, that I hadn't already picked, I should say. Okay. No, that's cool. What is, if someone was coming into this industry now, what is uh, two, two things of it, two, two words of advice you would give them? Like what's, what would you want them to know? Because once again, people think this is all fun and games and this is amazing and this is great and you're spending someone else's money, but they don't know that, you know, things come in late, they come in damaged, backordered, the whole nine. What would you tell someone coming up? What if your daughter's like, mommy, I want to be an interior designer? I think the most important thing is that you want need to be eager to learn and absorb all that this industry has to offer. I think that's really important. I think that could be going to school. It could also not mean that. It could be interning for someone. It could be getting a job as a design assistant and working your way up. I think there is this real big push to come out and start your own firm. True. Not recognizing like the, how hard it is and how difficult it can be. And for me, I obviously had a previous career, so, and I have a business degree, so it was like a little bit easier, mm-hmm. but if I had to do it again, I would have, one, probably stayed in my internships a little longer, even maybe sought out some internships that would have been with bigger companies mm-hmm. that were, where I would have just worked for free um, or something like that. And then if I wanted to continue and hang out my shingle, that's when I would have done it. I just think that there's this big rush and people are coming into, you know, doing this work without really understanding kind of all the elements. And sometimes it's a disservice to the clients that don't know any better. And so my third, my comment would just be keep an open mind and try to learn as much as you can and work with other people and then take your, you know, take a step out if that's what you want to do. But don't be in such a rush to, you know, be the next Kelly Wurstler, right? Or what have you, like really hone your craft and then take a step out. Listen, I always tell people, I'm like, you want to cut your teeth on someone else's business and you don't know what you don't know. And you will see all aspects of the industry working for someone. And it also gives you a better handle. I, I interned for Bunny Williams and then for David Kleinberg. And those were my most valuable lessons ever because I couldn't imagine going out thinking I know something and then not like the amount of stuff I didn't know because they teach you in design school a smidge of of what really <laughs> happens and not the whole picture of it. And, um, and then you quickly learn that you have to stay within budget, on budget and on time. And I think that's another thing that's a disservice. So, and I would add to like you could also do it with if you had a really good mentor. True, you just need to have some knowledge of the industry. I know someone who was in a in the design industry, but not necessarily the designer. So she had a better understanding of how it worked. So she was able to go out on her own, you know, relatively easy. So it's not a linear. You have to go work for somebody, but it is an acknowledgement that this is not as simple as TV makes it seem. And it's better to kind of figure that out before you, you know, give it all, give up a regular job (laughs) to go and do it. That's kind of my 
an overall thought process about anytime I give advice to people. No, that's perfectly fair. So before we go, this has been really fun for me. Please tell the people where they can find you. So my firm name is Joy Street Design, um, and we can be found on all the platforms at Joy Street Design, Street spelled out, um, and that'll be Instagram, mainly Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, I'd love to have people send me a message and say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Thank you so much, Kelly. This has been really fun. Thank you for having me. Yay. Hey there, I need your help. If you love the show, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes if you are an Android or Windows user. Your feedback helps me to create shows that will provide lots of value. And in the meantime, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Gail Davis Design. Thanks so much, beautiful people.